Section 66 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3, by George W. M. Reynolds. Old Death and His Friend Tidmarsh the incident which occupied the preceding chapter occurred as will probably be recollected on the morning of the wednesday after the monday on which thomas rainford was hanged and resuscitated it was on the evening of the same wednesday and at about eight o'clock that we must again introduce the reader to the laboratory in red lion street a cheerful fire burnt in the grate and before it sat dr lascelles and the earl of ellingham engaged in conversation and also in the discussion of a very excellent bottle of claret conveyed thither from the earl's own cellar in pall mall i wish jacob smith would return said the young nobleman looking anxiously and nervously at his watch in the same manner you have renewed the conversation after every pause that has occurred during the last two hours observed the physician my dear arthur there is nothing like patience in this world you may depend upon it all goes on well or you would too soon have received the tidings of any evil that might have occurred bad news fly uncommonly fast i wish that i possessed a small amount of your calm and unexcitable temperament doctor returned the earl but i am so fearful lest any untoward accident should mar the success the complete success of all our plans do not meet evils halfway said the doctor everything has gone on well as yet mr de medina acted with the dispatch of a regular man of business no one could possibly have managed better he left on monday evening for dover where he remained but just long enough yesterday morning to hire a cutter and arrange with the captain to have her in readiness to leave at a moment's warning he was back in london again last night by seven and fortunately your half-brother was so far recovered as to be able to depart in company with jacob the disguise you procured for him was impenetrable to even the eyes of the most experienced bow street runner he and his young companion reached dover early this morning and i dare swear that long before this hour gallant tom is safe in calais where mr de medina and his daughters will also be some time to-morrow then off they all go to paris where you are to rejoin them yes all has been well arranged by mr de medina said the earl and i have no doubt that the results will be as you anticipate but i charged jacob to return post-haste to london i begged him not to spare the gold with which i furnished him so that he might be back here as soon as possible to assure us of my brother's safe embarkation for france and yet the lad is not with us yet you must admit doctor that i am not to be blamed for my apprehensions for misadventures and obstacles altogether unforeseen never dreamt of indeed do start up suddenly that i confess i shall enjoy no peace of mind until i receive from jacob's own lips 
the assurance that the object of my anxiety is beyond the reach of all danger. How can it be otherwise than that he is already safe? demanded the physician, somewhat impatiently. Who can tell what may happen? asked the earl. On Monday night, while Thomas was sleeping, and profound tranquillity as well as perfect security seemed to prevail in the house, was not the grand secret suddenly menaced by the appearance of one whom only a few hours previously I had been led to consider numbered with the dead? Yet doubtless you thought at the moment, while at your house in Grafton Street, that all was calm and unendangered in Red Lion Street. The sudden turning up of that old scoundrel, whom Thomas Rainford supposed to be dead, and of whom you have since told me so much, was certainly very remarkable, observed the physician. But you certainly managed the matter most cleverly, the more so too, inasmuch as my patient knew nothing of the transaction until it was all over. Fortunately he slept, as I have already told you, said the earl. That excellent lad Jacob was for a few minutes completely overcome, stunned, stupefied indeed, when he recognised the countenance of Benjamin Bones, and I myself was strangely excited when those terrible words, "'Tis old death!' fell upon my ears, for I knew to whom they applied. Moreover, Jacob let the lamp fall, and I dared not move to obtain another light for Bones began to struggle furiously. I was sadly alarmed, lest my half-brother should awake, but fortunately his slumber was profound. And then, I believe, Jacob Smith recovered himself, and procured another light, said the physician interrogatively. You see, doctor, returned the earl with a smile, that you did not listen very attentively to my narrative of the transaction when you came back to the house yesterday morning. Because, I remember, you would persist in telling me the story at a time when I was thinking of the best restoratives for my patient, answered Lasselle, also with a good-natured laugh. But pray give me all the details now, and the occupation will while away the time until Jacob makes his appearance. God grant that he may soon come, exclaimed the earl, but let me resume at the point where we interrupted ourselves. I asked you if Jacob did not procure another light the moment he had recovered his presence of mind, said the physician. But I remember now that you availed yourself of the opportunity afforded by the darkness to drag the old man back to the staircase leading into the subterranean, and that the terrible menaces you whispered in his ears reduced him to the passiveness of a lamb. He is a hideous-looking man, for, after all you learnt from your brother concerning him, it is clear that he is the same whom I had seen in this house on one or two occasions, but whose name I did not then know. He is clearly the same person, said the earl. Well, and so you got him down the breakneck stairs, added the doctor. And then it was you called to Jacob to procure another light. Rainford continued asleep the whole time. But after all that had taken place in the morning, his slumber would necessarily be heavy. 
I can assure you that a more dangerous task I had seldom undertaken than that of dragging the old villain down those stairs, said the earl. And how it was that we both escaped broken necks, I am at a loss to divine. However, I did get him safely down to the bottom, and the great door being then bolted only on the same side as the stairs, I had no difficulty in opening it. Jacob came down with the light, and I compelled the old man to rise, and enter the subterranean with me. I will be bound, his hideous countenance was convulsed with rage and alarm, exclaimed the doctor. But I must get a cast of his head when he dies, which I dare say will be upon the scaffold. Yes, he was positively horrible with mingled wrath and fear, continued the earl. But I had no pity for him, as I have none now. I made him walk a few paces in front of me, Jacob accompanying us with the light. Once he turned around and fixed on the lad a look so full of infernal spite, of demon-like malignity, that I was horrified to think that such hateful emotions could find an abode in the breast of any human being. Jacob Smith recoiled in affright as if from the glare of a serpent's eyes. But I whispered a word to reassure him, and almost at the same moment I beheld, by the light of the lamp, a door in the side of the subterranean. You know the suspicions which had already filled my mind. They then returned, with renewed vigour to my memory, and I felt convinced that I touched on the threshold of a discovery. I commanded the old man to stop, suffering him to believe that I had pistols about me, and should not hesitate to use them in case of need. The door was speedily opened, and it led into the very dungeon where you were confined for four weeks, said Dr. Lascelles. The villains, the scoundrels who perpetrated such an outrage. Yes, it was the very same dungeon, continued the earl and my blood ran cold as I glanced within. Jacob Smith understood the discovery that I had made, and uttered an ejaculation of horror. I now know at least one of the authors of my imprisonment, I said, turning to old death, whose eyes were again glaring fiercely upon the lad. But, I added, this is no time for question and answer on that head. Then, taking the lamp, I held it in such a manner as to be able to throw its light upon that part of the cell where I had opened to myself the means of escape, and I perceived that the masonry had not been replaced. I accordingly resolved not to imprison the old man there, and yet what could I do with him? Turning round to examine more minutely the nature of the place, I beheld another door, on the opposite side of the subterranean, Old Death had marked the fact of my eyes lingering thereon, and he gave vent to something between a menace and a prayer. I seek not to harm you, was my reply, but as it once suited your purposes that I should become a captive here for a few weeks, it is now expedient, according to my views, that you should become a prisoner for a few days. In with you, old man, I added, having in the meantime opened the door of this second cell. And there the old reprobate is now cooped up, 
along with his friend Tidmarsh, exclaimed the physician, laughing at the idea of the two cronies being caught in one of their own snares, for that they were companions in iniquity, had now but little doubt. You must admit that the case was a desperate and an urgent one, continued the earl. From all you had told me concerning this Tidmarsh, I felt well persuaded that he was likely to visit the subterranean, and I knew that, were such a casualty to ensue, old death had merely to raise his voice in order to obtain his release. And so you quit the subterranean and run round to Turnmill Street to tell old Tidmarsh that Dr. Lascelles wishes to see him immediately in his laboratory, exclaimed the doctor, again laughing heartily, for the entire affair seemed to have touched a long slumbering cord of merry humour in his breast. Precisely so, returned the young nobleman. Tidmarsh, however, eyed me very suspiciously, and muttered something to himself about the doctor being very indiscreet, but I affected not to notice his peculiarity of manner. He came round to the house, and you know the rest. Yes, you took him down to join his friend Old Death, as it seems the rascal is called, observed the doctor. And there they must remain until Jacob Smith shall have returned with the tidings of my brother's safe embarkation continued the earl. It is true that they are both utterly ignorant of his escape from death, his extraordinary resuscitation, thanks to your profound knowledge and generous aid, doctor. But, as we have every reason to believe at least one of them to be Thomas's enemy, they shall neither obtain a chance of discovering the secret of his new existence, as I may indeed term it. At all events, not until he shall be beyond the reach of danger. And do you know, it strikes me most forcibly that Tidmarsh was the jailer who attended upon me during my incarceration in the dungeon below, although the person who was my jailer invariably spoke in a feigned tone, and as laconically as possible. Yet I am almost certain that it was the voice of Tidmarsh. Moreover, he seemed for a moment so astounded, so struck, when I presented myself at the door of his dwelling in Turnmill Street to deliver the forged message which induced him to accompany me round to his house, that I am convinced he knew me, for though he never permitted me to catch a glimpse of his countenance when he used to visit me at the trap in the dungeon door, still he might have seen my face." However, when I presented myself at his abode in the way which I have described, my manner appeared so off-hand and sincere that had any suspicions of treachery entered his mind, they were dispelled almost immediately. But, doctor, I abominate the necessity of having to use duplicity even towards villains of that stamp. Your compunction is carried too far, my dear Arthur returned Lascelles. It was necessary to get that scoundrel Tidmarsh into such a snare as to place him beyond the possibility of doing mischief, and though the narrative which you have now given me more in detail than you did yesterday morning, when you hastily sketched these incidents to your brother and myself, though I say it makes me laugh, a habit not frequent with me, 
I really commend your foresight in averting danger, as well as your bravery in carrying into effect the requisite precautions. I deserve and require no praise, doctor, answered the earl. What would I not have done to ensure the safety of him who has behaved so generously to me? During the whole of Monday night, I sat by his bedside, anxiously awaiting the moment when slumber should leave his heavy eyelids, for I knew that I had welcome, most welcome tidings for his ears. But he slept on until you came, and then, doctor, you were a witness of the joy which he experienced on learning that he had not been the cause of the death of Benjamin Bones, miscreant though the man be. Scarcely were these words uttered, when a low but hasty knock at the front door caused Lord Ellingham to spring from his seat, seize the lamp, and hasten to answer the summons. Dr. Lascelle could hear the Earl ejaculate the words, Jacob Smith! Then a hurried whisper took place in the hall and in another moment the joyous exclamation, "'Thank God! Thank God!' bursting from the young nobleman's lips, met the physician's ears. And Dr. Lascelles thereby knew that Rainford had succeeded in quitting the shores of England in safety. End of section 66